I'm going to preach a message series in the next few weeks, uh, a little bit different for me. Uh, typically, Sunday mornings is more of a preach, less of a teach, and then Sunday nights and Wednesday nights are more of a teach, less of a preach, I think. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not sure. But, uh, but I'm going to be teaching a little bit more in the next few weeks on the four stages of Christian growth in a sermon series I've titled Strengthened. Uh, my prayer this year as a pastor is to see every single person from the youngest to the oldest member of our church, from the youngest to the oldest attender of our church, whether you're in person or online, to grow spiritually this year. I want to see you grow spiritually. And how many of you want to grow spiritually? Amen. I do. And so do you. And so that's what these messages are about. They're going to be a little bit more uh, hands-on for the next few weeks. And so stay with me this morning. And I hope the sermon is a blessing to you because we're going to learn some things together. And uh, so Colossians chapter number one, look at verse one through 14. This is going to be the context for the next four messages that we're going to preach. We're going to really dive into this scripture heavily. And so we're going to read the whole thing here. So verse number one of Colossians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. We know that Colossae is a city. Grace be unto you, peace and God from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always, always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, and can I get an amen right there? Where have ye heard before the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now verses 10 through verse 14 are our theme verses for the year. And much of what we're going to do this year are based on these verses. And I'm excited about these verses. They are powerful. So let's read them together. Verses 10 through 14. Verse 10, ready, begin. That she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a powerful passage of Scripture. I believe that 2021, and I believe this with all my heart, 2021 is the year for spiritual strengthening. I believe this is the year for us to grow spiritually. We should grow all the time, but I certainly believe that to be true this year. We understand this morning that if we are going to grow spiritually, then God's word is the key. God's word is the key. And the good news is we have God's word, the perfect preserved word of God and everything that we need 
to be strengthened is found within. And not only that, but we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, and to help us. And so this morning, I want to ask you some questions, and we're going to get into some of the aspects of, of growing spiritually this morning. And I hope the message is a blessing and encouragement to you. So let's pray, and then we'll be seated. Father, we come before you one last time, God, before this message. Holy Spirit, please remove my own thinking, my own uh, process out of the way. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict our hearts, work in us, Lord, help the, uh, your word to go forth in our hearts and to, uh, to uh, help us where we need help today. God, I pray that all of us this morning would have a heart, a desire to grow spiritually this year, to be strengthened in our spiritual walk this year. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us with that. I pray for the message. Help us to concentrate. Help us to put everything else out of our minds, Lord, for just a few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I have some diagnostic questions for you this morning. And uh, these questions are not meant to be a discouragement in any way, but really just a, uh, a, to ask yourself to get the conversation going in your own heart. Because how many of you are like me? I sit for a few minutes and then I kind of I kind of lose my train and I kind of start thinking about in and out double double animal style, in and out double double animal style. And so actually today I'm having Ono barbecue. I'm talking about katsu chicken. I don't know where the head thing came from. I'm sorry about that. But here's some questions for you. Number one, am I stronger spiritually today than I was January of last year? That's the first question I want you to think about. And as you think about that, it'll kind of help you know where you are right now with your spiritual growth. Number two, what am I doing now to receive spiritual strengthening? What am I doing right now to be strengthened spiritually in my life? That question number three is, do I desire to grow spiritually this year? Do I have the desire to grow spiritually? And if that's a desire that you have, then I'm excited for you. Because when you desire to grow spiritually, then God helps us. Amen. Amen. But we need to have that desire. The last question is, is what steps should I take now that will help me grow spiritually this year? What are some things that we need to do to grow spiritually this year? You might be thinking, Pastor, uh, I haven't even thought about that. Well, that's why you come to church, amen? amen? To help us. And that's why you have a pastor, amen, to help us grow spiritually, amen. right? You didn't think I could do that. Oh, I can. How many in the room are like me? You're a very visual learner. I like to see things visually. I like to understand them visually. How many are like me? You like that? That's how I am. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to have a very visual illustration starting next Sunday and then throughout the month of January. And we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to illustrate the different steps of spiritual growth. And I, this is from my own heart, what the Lord has showed me. This is not, you're going to find this in a book or something. This is just what God has shown me, four very simple steps that I think Christians go on. Of course, it's more complicated than that. But I like to keep things simple. And how many, like, like me, I like to keep things simple. I need it to be simple. And so we're going to illustrate these four steps over the next four weeks and each stage as we grow spiritually. And the reason why I'm doing that is threefold. I have a threefold goal for that. First, I want everyone here and in our church, whether you're watching live, and by the way, if you're watching at home, we love you. Thank you for tuning in today. And uh, thank you for being a part of our church. I know many are sick right now. and We need to pray for those that are sick. And many are sick and many are getting sick. And so be careful, wash your hands and all those things. But thank you for joining us uh, uh, at home. Uh, but I want everyone here or everyone watching to have a good understanding of where we are in our Christian growth. Where are we in our Christian growth? Where am I 
Am I, am I growing? Am I? And so I want to help us with that. The second goal is this. I would like to everyone to have a good understanding of how they can continue to grow spiritually. And so what do I need to do next? What's the next step? How do I need to, what do I need to do in my own life? And then lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to see everyone in our church, everyone from the littlest person to the biggest person, oldest, I don't know, for every single person in this church to have a commitment to a path of growing spiritually this year. That's my goal as a pastor. I want to see every single person in our church to say, I want to grow spiritually, and I want to commit to that. And I know I can't force you to do that, and I can't even force my own family to do that. That's something that we all have to decide on our own. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And so uh, we're going to get into some of that today. So before we begin uh, uh, the message, I, want, to, I want, to, want you to think about this. Do we need to grow spiritually? How many would answer yes to that question? Do we need to? A group of tourists was visiting a small village one day, and they were kind of, you know how tourists are, they had cameras there coming around, and they saw this a little old guy sitting there on, his, on, the, on the chair there, and this, the, the park bench there, as they're coming into the village. And the little man, he's sitting there, and, and the tourist kind of cavalierly walked up to him and almost rudely says to him, he said, has there, has there ever been any great men born in this village? Any great men born? Were any great men from this village? He asked the old man. And the old man responded, nope, only babies. (laughs) The truth is today is that Christians are not born. And all God's people said, they're born again, but Christians are not born. They're grown. They're grown. And yes, Christians are born again. You understand what I'm saying. But being a follower of Christ, uh, it it takes time and it takes growth and we must grow. I want to make three statements uh, about the series this morning. And so these statements are, are really overreaching of all the, all the sermons that we've preached this month. The first statement is this. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It doesn't happen automatically. Growing spiritually does not happen automatically. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Nothing grows except for weeds automatically. And even weeds need a little something. You know what I mean? Um, my wife, she was in the first service this morning sitting right over here. My wife, she loves to grow things. And, uh, and so she's good at it. She does a good job. One, one of the things that she's growing in her garden is uh, Swiss chard. Does anybody grow Swiss chard here? And uh, Swiss chard is a great plant in California. Boy, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. But that Swiss chard didn't just pop out of the ground, out of the Stockton dirt from nothing. It took cultivation. It took uh, it took preparation, it took watering, it took the proper fertilizers and all. You understand what I'm saying. It takes effort to grow a plant. It takes effort to grow a Christian. Amen. It takes effort. Just like a newborn baby needs love and care, teaching and guidance. A, a, a new Christian, a Christian needs spiritual food and they need consistency in their life and these types of things. And so spiritual growth is not automatic. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. The second statement I'd like to make is spiritual growth is not linear. It is not linear. Say, what do you mean by that? Some Christians have the impression that once you reach a certain stage in your life as a Christian, that that you've conquered all the other stages and you don't go back. That's not true. Unfortunately, as Christians, sometimes we slide. Sometimes we, we get to a certain point, but we slide back and forth. And sometimes we slide and we backslide and then we get right with the Lord. And that's a, uh, that's a constant process. Spiritual growth 
does not, is not a constant uh, thing that moves forward. And if you stop growing spiritually, you don't stay there. You die spiritually. Someone once said that the Christian life is not like a ship on the sea. It's like a plane in the air. A ship on the sea can stop and can anchor down and stay there for a while. A plane in the air, if a plane stops in the air, you have problems, bro. You're going down, amen? The Christian life is much like that airplane. We must keep moving forward and upwards and keep growing in our life. So we need spiritual growth. And the last statement I'd like to make is spiritual growth is always worth it. And all God's people said, I've never met a Christian who said, man, I can't believe I grew spiritually this year. It was terrible. I just regret. I regret growing spiritually. If I had not grown spiritually, nobody's ever said that. Because when you grow spiritually, you realize the journey, the destination of growing spiritually is worth the journey every time, every time. And so this year, uh, in your own context, in your own life, you might be thinking, well, I've reached the pinnacle of spiritual existence. Probably not. (laughs) More than likely not. Because because the truth is, is that even Paul the Apostle, who wrote half the New Testament and the, the, the chapter we're reading today, even Paul the Apostle said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. So Paul even understood that. And so we understand that today. So in, I want you to keep those statements in mind as we get into the message today. And I'll repeat them next week as well. So we remember those three things. So today, if we want to grow spiritually, there's several things that we need to know about growing spiritually before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of how we grow spiritually. So first of all, today, I want to talk about the essentiality of spiritual strengthening. The essentiality of spiritual strengthening. To grow spiritually is the most important thing in your life. Your walk with God is the most important priority in your life. You say, no, my job is. No, it's not. The most important priority in your life is your walk with God. It's not your spouse. Listen to me now. It's not your children. It's not your job. It's not your bank account. Your walk with God is the most important priority in your life. Why? Because when your walk with God goes, so does your marriage and so do your kids and so does your finances. Your walk with God is the most important thing of your life. It is the, it's the highest priority in your life. It's essential. Spiritual growth is essential. Let's look at Colossians chapter number one. Look at verse seven. Let's bring some context to the scripture and to the message. Look at verse seven. Paul says, as ye has also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister. He says in verse eight, who also declared unto you the love of the spirit. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's goal for this church was that they would uh, increase, look at verse 10, that they might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And what's the next word? Increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul wanted this church to continue to increase in their knowledge of God. And you might be thinking, well, what does Colossians have to do with spiritual growth today? I mean, that was a long time ago. That was a different set of circumstances. And the truth is, this morning, is that the same things the Colossians were facing is pretty much the same things that we face today. So let's talk about that. Letter A, let's look at the relevance of Colossians. The book of Colossians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians gathering in Colossae. This group of Christians was much like you and I, just regular people, regular jobs. These Colossian Christians were facing great opposition to their faith. 
not only by the mystical polytheism of the day, but also by quote-unquote Christ-following Jews who are bent on mixing Christianity and the law. And so we see here this group of people had a, very, uh, had a lot of pressure on them with mystical uh, uh, mysticism and polytheism. And by the way, America is no longer a Christian nation, unless you're wondering about that. There's a lot of mysticism and polytheism in America today. And we are, it's invading in, 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 in our culture, and certainly today, certainly today, the church more than ever before in America is being pressured and oppressed by the culture around us. Evolution, humanism, atheism, our culture's morals on marriage, gender, the sanctity of life. All of these things are diametrically opposed to what we believe. Diametrically opposed to what the Bible says. That's a picture of Colossae there, the city of Colossae. We understand that these folks were being, uh, were being oppressed by those in their community. Uh, uh, we know today that Christians, you and I, by the way, young people, look up here. You are today, and I am. I don't mean to discourage you. That's not the point. My point is to actually encourage you today to recognize that you are in the same boat that the Colossians were. Christians are fast becoming hateful bigots for our beliefs quickly becoming labeled ignorant and hateful simply for believing the word of God. And may I say that in addition to cultural pressures of the things that we see in the world, there's also many confusing religions that willfully distort scripture and confuse the simplicity of the gospel. And many churches in America today bowing down to the demands of a satanic culture, not in this church. Amen. We will bow to nothing other than God and his word. And everyone said, amen. amen. Not in this church. We're not going to bow down to the culture's distorted view uh, of scriptures. No, we bow down to Christ himself. And we live in a day and in a culture today, especially in America, where Christians and churches are turning to the culture rather than staying true to the word of God. And that's not where Christian growth comes from. Celebrities claim to be Christian today. And pastors flying around in $24 million jets writing multi-million dollar book deals, having hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and social media, posting pictures of themselves, doing shots with Justin Bieber. I just don't think that that's the Christianity that Christ had in mind. And may I say something here? This is not true Christianity. Now, don't let me lose you here. I'm not saying this to be mean, and I'm not saying this to be divisive. All I'm saying is you, you came to a Baptist church. You saw the sign, right? And so here we go. Rocking out and, and, and rocking out and, and for 45 minutes, punctuated by some kind of self-help content pour by some savvy, media-savvy speaker is not church, and that's not Christianity. That's not anywhere in the Bible. And all I'm saying today is that as a, as a Christian, you look at Paul the Apostle writing to this little church, struggling with the cultural pressures, struggling with religion, trying to creep into uh, faith and grace and trying to bring all this stuff in. And Paul, in chapter 2, we'll see, says, beware. And he's trying to warn them. He recognizes. And so that's relevant to us today, is it not? Yes. I was reading an article. This isn't my message, but I was reading an article early this morning from the New York Times, and how many know the New York Times is a very conservative newspaper? And so I was reading the New York Times, and it was about a pastor in New York who, uh, he's a, one of the largest uh, churches in New York, very, very popular church. And, uh, and so this pastor, he, you know, uh, 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 just doing incredible things, you know, taking pictures of himself, doing shots with Justin Bieber, and, 
showing off his tattoos and all these things. And listen, if you have a past and you're under, it's all under the blood, amen? It's under the blood, amen? But I mean, if you're a pastor to, to, to go and all these things, and he failed morally, and that's what the article was about back in October. Surprise, surprise. He failed morally, but I read the article. By, and, and by the way, we walk circumspectly. Because every single one of us is, is definitely able to do that. And so I read the article. Here's the point of the article. I read it all the way to the end. And the, the person who wrote the article was not a Christian, but here's what she said. She, she made a statement similar to this. I don't remember. I don't have it quoted, but she said something like this. She said, I just don't, I don't think that this is the Christianity that Christ would have had in mind. That stuck with me. She's not a Christian writing for the New York Times. You see, the world sees the hypocrisy. They see right through it. They see right through it. Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And so all I'm, I said all that to say the relevance of this chapter, if we're going to grow spiritually, growing spiritually does not mean that we're going to be prosperous. Growing spiritually does not mean that we're going to live our best life now. That's not growing spiritually. Growing spiritually is bringing glory to God in our lives. Amen. That's growing spiritually. And so the relevance of this chapter is amazing. Paul reminds us that even though, by the way, he was sitting in prison while writing the chapter, he found joy and purpose in his life. The second important thing I notice here is that Paul never met these Christians. Matter of fact, Paul had never even been to this church. Uh, Epaphras apparently either started or took the church at some point. I believe Epaphras was one of Paul's, uh, somebody that he had mentored. But Epaphras was visiting Paul in prison and telling him about what was going on in Colossae. He said, man, you should see this church. They're on fire for God. You should see what they're doing. And so Paul's letter in Colossians is a response to this good news from Epaphras. And so you say, why is that important? Because Paul didn't know those people and he didn't know us either. And so this letter, as we read it, we can, we can read it and apply it to our lives because what Paul wrote to these Colossians back then is still relevant to us in Manteca, California in 2021. Amen. And so we see the relevance of Colossians, but letter B, we also see the reality of our condition. I think that most of us, if we sat down and really meditated on our spiritual condition, we would come to the conclusion that we all need spiritual strengthening. We need it. We just need it. No matter how you answer the questions I asked earlier as to whether you're growing spiritually or, or how much you've grown and all these things, we all need spiritual strengthening in our own lives. From this pastor, from Brother Asperl on the platform, all the way to the back of the room, to every person sitting at home watching today, I'm, I'm telling you, we all need spiritual strengthening. We need strengthening in our spiritual walk, in our understanding of Scripture, in our prayer life, in faithfulness to church, in usefulness in service, effectiveness in witnessing, fighting against temptation, fighting against temptation. Amen. For our love for God, our love for others, strengthening in our patience, strengthened in all of our relationships, we all need to be strengthened spiritually in one way or another this year. So spiritual strengthening is essential. It is essential. And by the way, just as a side note, that means church is essential. Amen. Amen. Number two, we see the enemies of spiritual strengthening. We understand that Spiritual strengthening is essential. It's, re, it's necessary and natural for our Christian life. But there is also with that plenty of enemies. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? How many have found it hard to come to church today? How come it's when you want to go to Joanne Fabrics or Walmart, it's no big deal? 
Just get in the car and go. But boy, when you want to go to church, here come the devil. Amen. He hides the shoe, the kid's shoe. Where did you put your shoes? Where did you put your Can't find the shoes. Uh, that's why you get out, you walk out to your car, you're ready for church, and the tire's flat. There's no gas in the tank. The devil hates it when you decide to come to church. Hates it. Hates it. But there are lots of, of enemies to growing spiritually in our lives. Let's go to Colossians chapter number 2. Let's look at what Paul says here in Colossians 2. Of course, we understand the context. He's writing to this church family who's receiving a lot of oppression from the outside community, but also the Jews that want to mix going back into the law. And so Paul comes to them, and look at verse 8 of Colossians chapter 2. Look at what Paul says. What's the first word? Beware. Beware. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That word rudiments means elements of the world or things that the world does. Don't let any man spoil you. Paul says, beware. Why does Paul say beware? Because there's enemies. There's dangers. There's pitfalls. There are, there are things that keep us from growing spiritually. In your life, when you stop growing spiritually, it's not just because you stop growing spiritually. It's because you are a part of a spiritual warfare. You're in war. You're at war spiritually today. And so three things, three, three uh, enemies of, so to speak, enemies of our spiritual growth. Letter A is the devil. The devil. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober. That means be serious. Take this seriously. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is like a roaring lion walking the outskirts of your life, waiting for a weak moment in your life. The devil is no joke, by the way. He is plotting and planning and doing whatever he can to ruin you and to ruin your family. That's why we learn in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. I, I love this soft Christianity today. Put on your ripped jeans instead of the whole armor of God. Amen. I'm just simply saying, listen, I'm not for putting spikes on the seats and turning up the, the heat in the auditorium so everyone sweats. I'm not for making people uncomfortable. That's not what we do. But listen, I... This Christianity today, we have to recognize we're in a spiritual warfare. It's not about us looking cool and making sure everyone thinks that we're cool. That's not my job as a pastor. It's not to be the coolest pastor in town. My job is, listen, I feel some preaching coming on here, Brother Renison. My job is not to make you feel better about yourself when you come to church. That's not my job. Now, I want you to feel better for you because I love you and I want you to feel better about yourself. And by the way, Jesus does make us feel better because of his love and his grace and his long suffering and all those things. But my job is to be like Paul and to say, beware, beware. There's some dangers of your spiritual life. Beware, be careful. There's some men, there's a devil. There's some things out there that are going to hurt you. Beware. My job is not to get up here uh, and to scratch behind your ears like our dogs love. Amen? Oh, good boy. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not the pastor's job. He says, put on the whole armor of God. What are you talking about? We ought to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we're in a spiritual warfare. 
Every single day of our lives with Christians, when you get out of bed, the Holy Spirit inside of you and God's Word lighting a lamp unto your feet, you walk outside of your house, it is a spiritual warfare for your soul, for your life. And your families and your church and your country and your state put on the whole armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You don't want to go to a doctor and say, doctor, what's wrong with you? He says, oh, you're fine. You're great. Have a nice day. You want to know what's wrong with you so you can get it right if there's a danger? I'm simply saying this morning, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Satan is no joke. He's after you. I said he's after you. Single person, he is after you like, like white on rice, man. He's coming after you. He wants to destroy your life. Single person, listen, if I were you, I would stay as close to God as I can possibly get. I'd be in church every single service. I'd be soul winning. I'd be working in the bus route. I'd be involved in the ministry. I wouldn't be sitting at home. I said I wouldn't be sitting at home twiddling my thumbs if I were a single person today. The devil's after you. Teenagers, the devil's after you. Come on, parents, help me out. The devil's after you. I'm just simply saying this morning, listen, he's no joke, but you know what scares the red pajamas off the devil? You know what scares him to death? Is a Christian who's growing. A Christian who decides, I'm going to grow. Because that's when the Holy Spirit starts helping you. And you know what? The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. I read in my Bible this morning when Jesus was in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days, he was, a me- he was weak, he was emaciated, and the devil said, fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. Get, fr- get away from me. And guess what? That's what can happen with you if you decide to grow spiritually. You can withstand, you can resist the devil. Not only the devil is a problem, but also distractions. I said distractions. We all deal with distractions. May I just say, as I mentioned before, your spiritual walk with God is your number one priority in your life. Can I say something? Can I just say a couple things you're not going to like? Is that okay? Some of you are already looking at me like you're not okay with that, but that's all right. I'll say it anyway. President Trump getting elected is not your number one priority in life. Your spiritual walk is. Amen? Fighting against BLM is not your number one goal in life. Your spiritual walk is. It's your number one priority. It's your number one priority. I'm going to say a couple more things. I hope you're ready. Your job is not your number one priority in life. If you have a job that keeps you from growing spiritually, it's time to quit the job. Amen. Say, Pastor, what am I going to do if I don't have a job? I just think I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. But I just think if God has enough power to save my soul from hell and take me to heaven when I die, I think he has enough power to get me a new job if I need a new job. And all God's people said, our number one priority is our spiritual walk with God. That's our number one priority. But distractions, boy, they they can really get in there, can't they? And I get distracted so easily. I'm like a squirrel with ADHD sometimes, man. I get so distracted, and I'm just telling you this morning, That's an enemy of our spiritual growth. Lastly, discouragement. Discouragement. Anybody ever been discouraged? Has anybody ever hurt you? I remember there's a period of time in my life where I was so hurt, so hurt. And boy, that just just stunted my spiritual growth. It did. I needed to take some time to heal. And we've all been there, hypocrites. and, And by the way, to some extent, we're all hypocrites, but you understand what I'm saying. 
a moral failure and, and, and people disappoint you and things like that, it can hurt. And that's an enemy to your spiritual. So here's, here's what I want to say about that. If you're here this morning and you're discouraged, I'm not trying to get on to you. I Please don't get me wrong. And if you're hurt, I, I don't want to say anything to you other than this. People disappoint us, but Jesus never disappoints us. Amen. Jesus never fails. The pastor fails, <laughs> but Jesus never fails. Amen. Earthly friends may prove untrue, Ben. Doubts and fears assail, but there's one who will never fail, and that's Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're here today and you're discouraged. Listen, don't look at discouragement as anything other than a stunting to your own spiritual growth. So go to take that to the Lord and ask him to help you with that. So we see today, we see the essentiality of our spiritual growth. It's important. We see that there's enemies to our spiritual growth. And then lastly today, I want to talk just briefly about the essential stages of spiritual strengthening. There is some stages that we go through as Christians. And I'm going to go over those stages here, but we're also going to go over them in more depth next week and the weeks after. But just to kind of give you some highlights here and get you thinking about this, go to Colossians chapter number one and go down to verse 28. So Paul, uh, after he, we read all the verses, kind of gave the theme of it, strengthened with his might. Uh, we get down to verse 28, and we kind of see Paul wraps up his thinking here in verse 28. He says, whom we preach, what's the next word? Warning every man. That's my job. That's my job. I'm going to warn. I want to warn you. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man, what's the next word? Perfect in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul's goal was to get these Colossian Christians from point A to point B, from being babes in Christ to being perfect in Christ. The word perfect here doesn't mean like you never make a mistake. Because guess what? You're going to sin until the day you die. We'll never be perfect, perfect, but we can become perfect. That word means mature in Christ. And so Paul's goal was to help this church and all the churches he wrote to, Philippians and, and Ephesians and Galatians, he wrote to all of them. His goal was to help them to mature them to go from here to being perfect in Christ. He wanted to see the teenagers in Colossae be perfect in Christ. He wanted to see the young people. He wanted to see the senior saints at Colossae. He wanted to present them to Christ perfect, mature in Christ. And that's what he says in verse 29. He says, where unto? So unto that goal, I also labor. He's sitting in prison. Can you imagine in a cold, damp prison writing these letters? Why? Why? So that he could do this. So that he could present them, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul had a goal that these believers would grow spiritually. He knew the dangers and he knew our propensity to stagnate. My desire this year, my prayer this year, is to see every person in our church to be challenged, to be challenged to be strengthened in their spiritual walk this year. I want to give you these four stages real quick. And as I said, next week's going to be a little bit more of a teaching message than preaching. But, but I want to give you these four so that you can start thinking about these and start praying about these. I want you to take this message home in your heart, and I want you to start praying about where you are in your spiritual walk. So we see letter A here, and I know I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but that's okay. Letter A here, we see the learning stage. The learning stage. What happens when we get saved? We begin learning about God. We begin learning about, oh, I love it when new Christians get saved. Oh, it's so amazing, Brother Asprey. When a sinner repents and gets saved, that's exhilarating. 
Brother Rob, you know what I'm talking about. You're a soul winner, you and your wife. When you see somebody bow their head and accept Christ, it's exhilarating. Why? Because somebody put their faith and their trust in a Savior. I'm sorry, Salomon, I'm moving around a lot. You guys are trying to keep up with me back there. I told you I was a squirrel with ADHD, didn't I? Anyway, when you see somebody bow their head and trust in Christ as their Savior, to realize that their eternity has changed from hell to heaven, it's exhilarating. And when a person gets saved, when they put their faith and trust in Christ, as Paul said, after you heard the word of truth that came to you, when somebody is saved and they have a hope of eternal life, they begin this lifetime process of learning about God and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the learning stage, Paul calls these in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's not necessarily a good context in this, but we can draw a conclusion here. We call these babes in Christ or babies in Christ. Those who are fed the milk they are fed the milk of the word. And these are those that are in the process of discovering who Christ is and what it means to be a Christian. And this is an exciting stage, watching those who go through discipleship. And boy, they come to you and they, Pastor, did you know that the Bible said? Did you Have you ever seen that before? And the Bible is exhilarating and it's exciting. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, man, I was reading Genesis and I realized that God said, let us make man in our image. And all of a sudden they realized that even the, the God was revealing the doctrine of the Trinity from the first chapter of the Bible. And it was like they realized, man, God is amazing. Did you realize, Pastor, that the Bible says that Jesus is God? And boy, they started getting excited. This is the learning stage. And that's an exciting stage for a time. There comes a point when we must grow up spiritually. I said when we must grow up spiritually. We must leave that. We were always learning, but we must leave that babes in Christ stage. And that stage is when we go from feeding, being fed, bottle fed, amen. I try to make the noise. I don't know how to do it. Being fed to feeding ourselves. Amen. And so there comes a point in our time when we need to move on from, from just this being in this stage and learning and, and become mature in our Christian walk. And then we get to this next stage. I love this stage. Let it be the light bulb stage. Light bulb. Some of you will get that later. But anyway, the light bulb stage. This is one of my favorite stages in the Christian life when you begin to read God's word and you're learning about God and the light bulb starts going off. It's the, it's the college student that realizes that what they believed all along was right. Light bulb. It's a married couple that decides that tithing is the best option for their family because God blesses when we honor Him and they, they see that light bulb go off. It's that when somebody leads somebody to the Lord for the first time and they recognize that inside of us, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to show someone else how they can trust Christ and the light bulb goes off and that's this light bulb stage. And by the way, we're all going to be in that light bulb stage for our whole lives. Amen? How many have light bulbs go off all the time? Amen? But it's a, it's a stage of our life when we recognize, and here's the kicker, when we realize that living for self and sin is not nearly as good as living for God in obedience. When you realize, man, when I obey God and I do what His Bible says, it actually works. Light bulb, amen? And boy, what an, what a, what an amazing stage. Then... We go from the light bulb stage, and then we begin to this letter C, probably the most wonderful stage, I guess. I, I guess they're all wonderful, but is the loving God, loving God and loving others stage. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And then Jesus said, and the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. This is a stage of our Christian walk where we begin to realize, because we know who God is, because we've learned about him and we've recognized that being obedient to him is the best decision we could ever make, we begin to love God. I'll never forget as a young adult, driving down the road and for the first time in my life, nobody was around, just me alone in my car. I said out loud, I love you, God. I love you. Oh, that's a stage you want to be in. I said, that's a stage you want to be in. And maybe you say you love God, but you don't really mean it in your heart. Can I tell you, just keep reading God's word. Keep getting to know who God is. Keep following after these things. And I'll tell you, God will give you a love for him. Because you will recognize when you realize really who you are compared to who God is, there's nothing you can do but to fall in love with God. And then you start to love other people because you can't love God and not love other people. When you fall in love with God, you begin to love others and you begin to realize your marriage will be closer than ever before because of the love you have for God. And you realize you'll be a better parent than you ever were before because of your love for God. And you realize I'll be a better employee and a better boss than I ever was before because I love God. And I'll be a better person than I ever was before because I fell in love with God. And may I just say Christians ought to be people who shine God's love through us. We ought to be the moon to his son as the love of Christ shines through us to a world around us. Oh, what a stage. And then lastly, and I believe that this stage flows out of a love for God, and that's living for God and living for others. And I believe this is the ultimate goal of the Christian. The highest calling of the Christian is to live for God, to live for God. You say, you mean as a pastor? I don't mean as a pastor. I just mean in your life. And all God's men said, all God's people said, All God's teenagers said, all right, good. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Living for God is the highest calling you can have in your life. The highest calling. You say, pastor, I'm not a pastor. I'm not talking to pastors this morning. I'm talking to software engineers. I'm talking to real estate agents. I'm talking to truck drivers this morning. I'm talking to nurses today. Leverage your life for God. It's the highest calling you could have. And as Christians, and by the way, remember what I said, Christian life is not linear. Sometimes we go back down to the learning stage. And then we have our light bulb. We fall more in love with God. We live for God. Sometimes we slide. I understand. But may I just say this morning that there is no higher calling than living for God and living for others. Living for God has nothing to do with who signs your paycheck, by the way. You can be a pastor and live for yourself. You can be a staff person, a deacon, and be a disobedient person. You can do that in your life. It doesn't matter who signs your paychecks or what title you have. You could be a skydiving instructor and be living for God and others. It might say if you're a skydiving instructor, you better live for God, amen, because you <laughs> might be your last day, you know. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what job you have. That final stage, that, that stage is to live for God, to leverage your life for Him. And so today, we see the essentiality of Christian growth. Boy, it's essential. We must keep growing like the airplane. We must continue onward and upward. We know that there's enemies to to Christian growth. The devil, he's after you. He's after your kids. He's after your marriage. Distractions and discouragement. And lastly, we see these stages. But how about you today? Are you ready in your life this year to commit to growing spiritually? Are you ready for that? 
Are you ready to commit in your life to experience the power of God in your life like you've never experienced His power in your life before? Are you ready to strengthen that relationship with God to a deeper and more meaningful level than ever before? If you're here today and you want to do that, then I challenge you to make that commitment today. Say, God, I want to be strengthened spiritually this year. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.